This week's Games Alive show is brought to you by our patrons. Oh, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh, uh, I just let myself <laughs> in and I thought I would plug the show for you guys through... Get out! Games. Get out right now! Games. Get out! How many times have I to tell you this? Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Games Media. You should go there and you should sign up and get some sweet perks for the show and support them. Are you guys mad at me? Clearly mark the radio dial setting at MotorCityGaming.com Do not use your phone. It must be reserved for vital emergency messages so that you can receive official news and civil defense instructions on the Conrad frequency used in your area. Your life may depend on this. The last line of defense in major gaming news. Gamezilla Alpha. Prepare to take shelter and obey instructions instantly. This is the underground resistance. Join the Alpha Force. This is the plan to help you and others who need you. A plan to live, to work, and fight as did your forefathers. Now, let's check the plan together step by step. Gamezilla Alpha. Welcome to episode 47 of GameZell Alpha, where if you like video games, don't listen to this because we don't like video games. That's your, that's your pitch. That's my pitch. Here's my pitch. I just got alerted that I'm almost out of data on my cell phone, and I only have 10% remaining with zero days left. Should I be worried? No. Data's free, man. <laughs> you can pick that up from the trash can outside. Well, okay. I'll be right back. All right. I'll wait. There was no data there. There was just a bunch of video games that said, uh, with a box, it's a jazzy. Oh, yeah, that's trash. Just throw those out. <laughs> Get out of here. You're just upset. You're just <laughs> upset because you didn't hold a trophy at the Morelli tournament this time around. I held a t-shirt in my hand that said that I was but a you previous said you're a champion. has-been. said you're a has-been. Yeah. I didn't even have my picture on the wall. And I was like, Tony, why isn't my picture on the wall? You got this guy on the wall, and you got this other guy on the wall. My picture's not on the wall. He's like, oh, this is actually supposed to be a first winner and current winner. I have your picture, but it's just not going to be on the wall. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I wasn't invited to the first one, so I didn't have the <laughs> option to get my picture permanently on the wall. So I just got to win it every Stay year going. now, and that didn't work. <laughs> There's a loophole. <laughs> I was happy you weren't on the wall. It made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, you're welcome. Also, hoisting a trophy over your head, that made me feel a little better, too. No, I mean, it wasn't gold, really though. hoist them. You kind of held them down low. It wasn't gold, though. Yeah, well, there's people that are better than you. Like who? I don't remember his name, but he was there. That's funny, Jazzy. I don't remember your name either. Oh! oh! <laughs> hey, <Bit> Steve. <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, uh, I come bring you... Oh, my goodness. It's been a while, guys. I, I like apologize. it. No, I like it. I come bring I, you. I gifts. come. I come with. <laughs> I come with improper English to this podcast. No, I, I come with gifts. You know, I, I bring you bring you interviews, and uh, unfortunately, I brought some. I brought some some despair to to Jay, and I, I I'm really sorry about that, man. I I wish it was someone else in the finals that I that I would have beaten, because uh, I did not want to win that. I was proud to hold the silver with the way that things went down. If you would, if you would have came in and like crushed me, like I was kind of expecting, I probably would have been more, more like, thank you for that apology. But honestly, that was a battle, and uh, I, I left that, I left that battle proud. 
I, I, I held that silver, very happy, and I still got to sit there and say, Gamezilla sweep, baby, because we took gold, silver, and bronze. That is true. Uh, if you hadn't guessed, 8-Bit Steve won the Tony Morelli video game tournament. It was an awesome time. Uh, definitely going to go again. Everyone was super fun, uh, very intense. Uh, they they take their gaming seriously. It's really great. It's serious, but it's fun at the same time. So, oh, by the way, we got to pay Morelli for rigging that tournament for him. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, there, there yeah. was an NES game at the end of the, in the finals. So that's what they're talking about. And you know, I had nothing to do with the selection of the games, uh, even Supposedly. though I had, even though I had played Tetris Attack before and I had played Blades of Steel like a thousand times before. I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, you did get out of the first round though, um, like 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 I did. Where let's be honest, that was all, that was all. A lot of that was luck. I mean, that was that was just you. You went. Down, did you go down one zero or were you? I went down one zero. Yeah, yeah, I misfired. Yeah, uh, I got. So we were playing the one two switch game where you you're like quick drawing. Yeah, and they uh, when they say fire, you shoot the other guy with your with your. You know, Wii Joy-Con. U- Wii, Joy-Con. Yeah, Joy-Con. Don't call it Wii U mode. Whatever. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so, sorry, I, I, I'm retro. I don't know what those are <laughs> called. Um, so, yeah, you shoot the other guy. Well, they say fake words. So, they'll say like five instead of fire. But <laughs> the guy's got like a southern accent. So, it's really hard to tell what he's saying. So, when he says fire or five, it sounds the same. Oh, yeah. So, he said five and I shot <laughs> and I went down 1 0. Yeah. 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 But, uh,. We're here, episode 47. Why is A-Bit Steve here again? Steve, don't you have your own show that you could just do? Yeah, actually I do. What? Wait, what? Yeah, I have my own podcast on this network. What? Yeah, sorry Jazzy, I, I've been uh, meaning to have a talk with you, but uh, your podcast idea, it's on the back burner. We're moving forward with something different. Wait, so he gets his own show and I just have to be on these shows with you? See... It was it really came down to the the Morelli tournament. As if you were going to place on the pedestal somewhere and get a trophy, <laughs> I was going to definitely greenlight your show. But since you bailed out and lost to me, I wish I, I would have, have known to give this. that spot to the winners. If I would have known this, I would have tried equally as hard as I did in the tournament. But yeah, so... Um, oh, well, congratulations. Not only do you win a cool trophy and prizes, but you also get your own show on the podcast network. It's like one of those either 1990s movies or 2000 movies where, like, there's a down-and-out guy, and he's like, if I win the tournament, I'll get all my credit back. <laughs> right? So, yeah, that's what he... He came to me, and he's like, we had a meeting. I don't know why you weren't there, but there were donuts and stuff. It was awesome. Um, a hot cocoa. Cocaine donuts. Donuts? Yeah. yeah. And then he was like, look... Uh, I know you're under you're bit Steve and you're down in your luck. If you can win this tournament, I will give you your own podcast. But you're never gonna win the tournament. You're never gonna make it here, kid. But here it was I basically, am. A, it was a it was a reimagination of Happy Gilmore. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Except for my grandma's house is yeah. not up for auction yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Reimagination, yeah. not not remake. Reimagination. Does that make Jesse Shooter McGavin? Yeah, hundred percent. It does. Huh. I'm not going to do the shooting sound effects because Deadite's just way better. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> that, was pretty, that was pretty good. That was pretty That's good. That's almost a Deadite sound. sound exactly like a 22. So anyways, uh, any any teasers about this uh, upcoming show that's uh, going to be hitting the GameZilla network? Uh, well, I just want everyone to... Uh, I think the show's going to be awesome, first off. I want to put that out there. And uh, the GameZilla guys have listened to the show and they didn't kick it out and, and burn it on fire. So... That means it's semi good, uh, yeah. at least you know. So uh, the show is going to be about uh, sort of similar to Alpha. We pick a franchise topic, um, you know, large franchises like uh, uh, the Matrix or Back to the Future or something like that, 
and we just kind of break it down in several different formats where movies, toys, games, and all of our thoughts about that particular franchise. So it's sort of a pop culture podcast, but I think it's more than that. Yeah. I've uh, I have listened to some of it and so far I'm really enjoying it. I like the uh, team that you've built around yourself and I think uh, people will it'll give them one extra piece of content per week that uh, you know that uh, they can look forward to because they they're always like we want more of this, we want more of that. I'm like guys we already make so many shows. We only <laughs> yeah, have right. so much time, and then you know we're running then, out of days yeah. in the week. But then hey, here comes our savior, our gold, our gold medalist, uh, just stepping up and saying, mm-hmm. "I can do that." Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll we'll have more details here very soon. But uh, for now, I think we should probably get into episode 47. Why are we here? We're, we have another interview, mm-hmm. and this time, uh, I guess you could probably guess it. Eight bit Steve's here, so. It's because he did the interview, guys. Like, I come did. on. Like every, every time he's here, he brings us an interview. Like, that's how it works. Yeah. So this time, Steve, what did you bring us? There's a local game store here, which both of you are very familiar with. called Funko the- Land. Oh, I would love to do that. If I had a DeLorean and went back in time, <laughs> I would interview the guy who had Funko Land. But no, it, this is a, a, a current game store. It's been around in this area for about 10 years. It's called Destiny Games. Oh, yeah. I interviewed the owner. Teddy's a super awesome and fun guy. Uh, he was gracious enough to let me interview him, uh, not once, but twice, because the first time didn't record correctly. Uh, and I have that interview for you guys today. Fantastic. Well, yeah, Destiny Games has been a staple for um, mom-and-pop style uh, video game stores here in the Michigan area for for a long time. Uh, it was the first one that I knew about and the one that I, that I would go to all the time before the expansion, as I call it, um, happened. And I still like to visit the uh, store and make sure that uh, I pay my patronage to, to where it all started for, for how I feel it all started here in Michigan, in the metro Detroit area, I should say. I don't want to jip anybody else that's out there in the Michigan area. But yeah, so uh, let's get into it. Let's get into this interview. Jazzy, you got anything to say before we... Uh... No, I think we should uh, do this interview of Destiny Games. Where when you play, it's not just gaming, it's your destiny. Copyrighted Teddy, talk to me about this. <laughs> Choose your destiny? <laughs> All right, here's the interview. Uh, hello, GameZilla Maniacs. It's me, 8 Steve, bringing you another exclusive interview to GameZilla. I'm here today with Ted, the owner of Destiny Games, a gaming store located in Westland, Michigan. I've frequented this store over the years and have met Ted many times, but it would be nice to pick his brain today and learn more about what it's like to own and run a game store. Thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast for a second time, Ted. Of course, thank you. Uh, that joke is in reference to, we actually recorded this podcast several days ago, uh, but it, it didn't take. Uh, I guess that's the, the the technical term for it. I couldn't find the audio file after I recorded it. So we're going to re-record this podcast, and I apologize to all the listeners if it doesn't have as much zazz as the first time. But you wouldn't know because you never heard the first one. So, All right, so let's get the big one out of the way. So uh, first thing that I... You know, when I said I was going to approach you for an interview, first thing that they asked me was, you know, what's it like to own a game store? How do, how do you go about doing it? What are, what are the, the planning steps of it? So tell us about how the idea of owning a game store came into your mind and how you had a, it came about. Well, let's see. Well, ever since I can really remember, I've always wanted to own my own store. Um, I love video games, love tabletop stuff. And then I also used to work at EB Games for about three years in management. Um, so I learned quite a bit with that. Um, and then we decided to actually open up my own video game store. I started doing the research in January of 08, and we opened the doors in September of 08. So it's that like eight months? Nine. Nine months, wow. 
Well, technically about eight, but well, the ninth month we were open. Wow, that's a that's a pretty quick turnaround. Usually, uh, it's you're about a year to two years to turn around for from business plan to inception. But if you're, I mean, you didn't have any sort of investors or anything like that, right? You opened no. all on your own. No, on my own. That's fantastic. So. Uh, well, maybe we'll get into that later. I know we talked last time, so uh, some stuff's probably going to overlap that we that we went over last time, and I don't want to give away any any secrets of what's going to be uh, coming up later in the podcast. So, um, so basically, you just decided one day you said, "Hey, I'm a gamer, and I I, I want to own my own game store," and you yeah, just with, made with, it happen. Yeah, with the wife, with the support of my wife, of course. Yeah, uh, she's like, "Let's do it." That's awesome. I I, I'm, I think everyone out there wishes that they just had that, and they said, you know what, I'm just going to quit my job, and I'm just going to open a game store, and then n- nine months later, I have one, and now you've been around for 10 years, right? Well, I planned it while working somewhere else. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I left the uh, other job like three weeks before I opened my doors here, so I took like a week off at least. Yeah. All right, so uh, something that I kind of hinted at earlier is that um, the store's located in Westland, Michigan, but you didn't always... I reside here in Westland. You actually were in Canton first, and that's where I was introduced to the store. Yes. So tell us about <clears throat> the move from Canton to Westland as I knock things off your desk. Um, yeah, please tell us about the move from Canton to Westland. Well, we decided, we were, you know, we went to look around for, you know, other spaces that would actually be able to accommodate our new stuff that we're doing, which is the tabletop, since we're more than just a modern retro video game store. Um, and we looked around for a while, um, and I talked to the owners here at least a few t- a few different times. Um, the money works. Um, we have a better parking lot where we're at here. Um, it's easier access. I actually have a bigger road sign. Um, plus, I have a dedicated tabletop playroom here, which I didn't have before. And I also get to save a lot of money. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all those points. The parking at the old place sucked. Um, it was on a very, very busy intersection, which you would think is good for a brick-and-mortar store, but the turning into the complex was very difficult. And also, you could not turn left out of the complex, and you had to turn right. And in that particular area, that's a nightmare because you have to go all the way down and around a bunch of roads to get back the other direction. Or go so, by Ikea. Yeah, which is even worse, actually. So, that's light in Ikea. Yeah. The parking lot here is a lot better. The storefront is probably twice to two and a half times larger than your old storefront, I think. And now you have the separated space for the tabletop, which is also really cool. And that kind of leads me into my next question. So I've noticed a lot of different stores have started to expand from just retro games into other stuff. So, um, you know, you guys are doing the tabletop and the card games and, you know, pop bobbles and other other products and merchandise that are similar to games or, like, in the same realm but not actually games. So can you tell us, like, you know, is it just you're trying to adapt to the model of, of other businesses or are you trying to, uh, you know, switch to a full-time... Well, I'm not going to go to a full switch. It's a, it's going to be a part of what is Destiny Games. Um, it's accenting what we've already been doing. Um, also, basically allows to actually keep up with the fluctuations of the video game market. Um, it's also something that I've actually had a love for as well. You know, with the tabletop gaming. Um, so it really just kind of works with what I like to do. I mean, some other stores might do like tablets and computers and TVs or whatever else. That's not my thing. My thing is games. Games. I actually like it. I think uh, there's always some cool event here. There's a lot of people here all the time for different things. And I think if you play board games, you play video games, and they're kind of kind of the same thing. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think I know anyone that plays board games that doesn't play video games here and there, or vice versa. Sometimes they're super deep into both, so it's a it's a pretty similar thing. So right. it's, it's I think it's it's logical and uh, it allows you to have more of a one stop shop, which is which is good. Yes. I, th- I think in this day and age. Um, so that you, you touched on it a little bit, the fluctuating game market. 
Um, so the retro game market has been in flux for quite a while since I started collecting four or five years ago. But about two years ago or so, the market was so high. Um, the games were just going for incredible amounts, especially like common titles like Super Mario Brothers. There's the regular Super Mario Brothers cart was about fifteen dollars. Now it's like four. So how do you deal with that? Uh, how do you price your stuff, and how do you how do you keep from losing too much money if you buy a game when it's worth twenty, and then four months later when you sell it, it's worth five? Well, luckily, the way we price things, it's more of like an average pricing over a over a period of time, so we can actually avoid those spikes because you might have like a one week where the game goes like, which normally would sell for like say ten bucks, and now for some reason it sold like a couple copies for twenty five. Um, but as long as we're doing like an average over last over like a couple months, we get to avoid those spikes. So you know when you're actually buying a game here that it is what the average price should be. That's pretty awesome. I, I frequent game stores pretty much all over the state, and um, they, they have varying methods. But the most common one that I see is, "Hey, I'm going to go right to eBay. I'm going to Google this. I'm going to eBay this game, and I'm going to sort by price, and whatever the highest one is, that's what the price of the game is." Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's really frustrating for me because if I wanted to buy it on eBay, I would just do that. And I, obviously, I looked on eBay before I came there, and it's not that I'm trying to get a, less money. It's just eBay has shipping costs and all kinds of other things. So to price it on eBay is in my opinion, just not a good policy. And yeah. uh, But now, if you're using eBay for over the course of several months for closed auctions, that's totally different. But It's not just eBay pricing that I do an average. It's it's basically you know, at least four or five different um, avenues. Usually, actually, about three or four um, markets that we actually, that, that compiles on the page we go to that actually helps us see you know, what the trends value should stuff. be. Mm-hmm. That's and awesome. Trends. Yeah, that's awesome, and that, that's the most accurate one that I've seen anywhere, to be honest with you guys. Thanks. Um, okay, so how do you deal with... Uh, this is a question that I get asked a lot when people want to, you know... Uh, since I'm in a retro gaming, people always ask me, oh, I want to open, open a game store. And I, I just tell them, you know, there's a, a lot of stuff has to do with trade-ins. You know, if you're getting a huge flux of stock all the time, of uncommon and rare games, you're going to sell a lot of games. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're if your people are bringing in commons and rock bands and all these things that are around everywhere, that's going to be harder to sell those. And if you have a hundred copies of rock band, you're obviously not going to sell a hundred copies of rock band. So we name the store rock band. Right, exactly. <laughs> so um, how do you deal with uh, you know fluctuating trade ins and keeping your stock fresh? Well, basically, what helps us a little bit is you know in the beginning we took a lot. We you know we didn't really have any caps on things, but now we do. You know, so we'll limit like how many of any one particular item that we'll actually take. You know, like systems and accessories, we'll pretty much take a lot of. But like sports games, like Madden 2001, it's like we want no more than five. You know, because you can have ten copies and or twenty copies, but if it's selling for less than fifty cents, what's the point? It's right. just taking up space and not making enough for it. So we we put limits on, you know, the basic cheap stuff that nobody really goes through that much. Um, and then, you know, offer trading promotions to get the stuff you really want. Yeah, and I, that's what I see a lot at uh, other other game style stores where you can trade in pretty much unlimited amounts of things. Somebody will come in in front of me with, you know, 500 copies of Barbie for the NES because they got it in a warehouse somewhere and, you know, and then trade that in for a, like a Xbox One. And it just doesn't ever make any sense to me. It's like you're, you're never going to get the revenue back out of that, out of those copies of, you know, so many, so many things. And I think... Um, the newer game stores that I've seen open up have started to adopt that policy where they stop taking certain games or certain things. Mm-hmm. But exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, so that yeah. Next question. So 
I touched on it just a second ago about other chain stores. So there, since you've been open in the last 10 years, there's been multiple game stores within a 40-mile radius that have opened and closed, and now there's a disc replay chain here where there's two of those locally. So, yeah, there's one at Taylor and Livonia. What do you think about those stores specifically, and how does that affect you as far as diluting the products because they're they're getting trade-ins that you might have gotten or vice versa? Well, I do wish them luck. You know, I, I don't have any ill will towards any of the competitors because maybe it might help me be a little bit better as well. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, yes, it does dilute the market a little bit. It does make it a little difficult to get certain things, you know, on a regular basis like we used to. You know, before, you know, they came about, we were pretty much the only game in town, and it was it was wonderful. <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful. It was actually had the games that people really, really wanted. And I still get a lot of those games, but we got them more often. Um, you know, but the thing is, is that they're looking at this way is that somebody is going to end up hurting out of it eventually. Um, we're doing fine. We've been doing it for a very, very long time. You know, and whether or not, you know, it depends on how well they do with it, too. I mean, they're, they're, they got their own products that they deal with as well. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen the kind of inventory that they have. Um, but, you know, it's, I like to think that at least I have some better quality stuff, if nothing else. Um, I would say for sure. So um, I buy stuff from pretty much everywhere. Um, the thing, the thing that with Discrease Play specifically for me, and this is not a, a criticism on them; it's just an observation that I have. Um, something that I see here is you take your games, whether it's a common game or a rare game or whatever it is, and you fully clean it, and you you try to take any stickers off of it that you can, and you get it looking good, and you and you shrink wrap it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just a little thing that you can do that makes it a lot easier for a collector because, or just a casual person. I don't want to take a copy of Legend of Zelda home and have to clean it for 45 minutes after I buy it when I just paid full price for it. So it's nice that you put the little the little time in to do that to make the game more presentable for purchase. Quality. Yeah, Disc Replay doesn't do that as much. They'll clean the connectors, but they'll leave stickers and all kinds of stuff all over it. And then... They sometimes will discount for if it's really bad, but most of the time it's just whatever the game is listed for. It doesn't matter what condition is in. It goes for twenty one ninety nine, and that's what it is. Yeah, if we have one that's not quite as good, we'll discount. It all depends. But I mean, we'll we're also pickier, you know, about what we take in a little bit too. I mean, if it's like total junky, like had like ten percent of the label, no, you know, you can see that maybe it might have been Metroid. Um, <laughs> we won't take that per se. I mean, it's, it's because it's. We also want to cater not only just for your casual gamer, but also your collector. Yeah. Well, I think even if you're a casual gamer, if you see a copy of Metroid and it's got a label ripped half off, you're not going to want to buy that. I mean, just because you want to look at it and say, hey, this is Metroid. I mean, it could be a little bit messed up and a casual gamer might buy it. It's just my opinion. I see quite often casual gamers come in and they there's something in a disc replay, even a very rare game. Uh, an example, and I, I, we didn't talk about this last time, but uh, disc replay Livonia has a Flintstones 2 Surprise the Dinosaur Peak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, the label is just gross. I mean, it looks like somebody spilled slime on it, and it's just terrible. And they're selling it for almost $800, right? And and that, that game will go for that in a mint condition cart, but it's not anywhere near mint condition. And the manager just won't budge on it. But he's never going to sell it for that price, because only a collector would buy something like that. Yeah, I would say that depending on it, depending on what the actual true value is, I haven't looked it up. Um, you know, depending on what the actual true value is, and then and if it's a real collector, they probably wouldn't lease at that price. Um, but again, it's it's disc replay is going to do what what they're going to do. I'm not going to try to, yeah. you know, say anything bad about them because you know, I'm not either. Uh-huh. They might have something I don't have that a customer needs, and I'll send them over there and say, hey, you know, they 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 have it. I just don't have it today. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's the that's what I was talking about deleting the market is uh, several years ago before Display Repay was around, that Flintstones 2 would be here and it would be discounted and cleaned and it'd be good. Or we wouldn't have had it at all. Maybe. <laughs> that's also possible. But um, I... I just wanted to touch on that for the listeners out there. If you're coming to a game store and you're going to buy something here at Destiny Games, it's going to be taken care of and it's going to be a good quality. Um, and if it's not of good quality and, and, and Ted happens to have it, he's going to give you a discount on it and be reasonable about the value of that particular cart or that particular CD or whatever DVD. Okay? Right. Okay. Um, so moving on from that, from the, from the stock question. Was that just a cartridge by itself? Single cartridge. Yeah, that should be around six hundred. Six hundred for the single card. Between six hundred to six fifty. That's in mint condition, so it's that's over- average price. I would even say mint. That was at least what the average pricing should be. Okay, well, it's very overpriced, but hey, um, that's that's the Sorry, game guys. market. That's the game market. It goes up and down. You know, they may have priced that four or five months ago, and it might have been that that amount. Well, see, here's the thing. I use if anyone can use this site. It's a free-to-use site. It's just the video game. It's pricecharting.com. Mm-hmm. It's a video game price charting. That's the site that I go, that I use. So if you see it on there, you know, see what the pricing is in there, that's what I'm going to be selling it for, yeah, basically, within that ballpark. Collectors in the local area in Michigan here that I know, uh, we all use video, games, video game price charting. That is the most definitive source for video game prices. If I start dealing with a collector on Craigslist and he starts quoting eBay prices, I immediately send him to video game price charting. If he doesn't honor those prices, I don't even deal with him because it it's just not accurate any other way. You have to go by averages. The, the market fluctuates too much to have, you know, oh, today it's going for $10 more. It just doesn't work like that in my opinion. Anyways, moving along. Moving the podcast along. I didn't mean to get into a philosophical debate about video game prices, but hey, this guy knows his stuff. So uh, if you're going to come in here, he's going to be able to talk with you. He's going to be able to, you know, reason with you about what the price of the product should be. And if you have a rare game that you that you want to buy here, he's a reasonable guy, and uh, you can figure it out. I'm not saying he's going to discount it for you. I'm just saying if the, if the game is going for less than it's marked, and you have a reasonable argument, who knows. Right. Well, pretty much everything's priced as what it should be. <laughs> yeah. That's the good part. Is I mean, if it's you know, not perfect, sometimes we there are discounts that we, we assign to it. Yeah, I've never I've never noticed uh, coming here a game that's been overpriced. In fact, I find most of the time your games are underpriced um, slightly, which is great because it's you want to buy it for the lowest you can possibly buy it, and you want to sell it for the highest you can possibly sell it. But you also don't want to take advantage of people either. Oh, gotcha. You know. All right, so the the next biggest question that I get asked about opening a game store is, hey, I want to open a game store, and I want my friend Susie and my friend Ted and my friend Mark and my friend Bobby, and they're all going to work at the game store with me, and we're all going to make $50,000 a year, and it's going to be great. How many employees do you think a retro game store of this style could support? Um, well, in the beginning, one, uh-huh. maybe two. Um, down the line, I mean, I've got about five employees now. Um, you know, most of part time, but you know, we got about five right about now. But in the beginning, it's going to take some time to build it up, so you're going to have to expect to be putting in a lot of hours yourself. Um, like I said, you re- you probably won't really have an employee unless you really work with like a friend. But the thing is, I really don't suggest working with friends and stuff like this because that can sometimes turn out bad. You know, that's true. It all depends. <laughs> so you're basically saying you're going to be here from open to close. Every day for a couple of years, three years, four 24/7, years? 
300, you know, <laughs> seven days a week, <laughs> 365 days a year. I mean, it depends on how long it takes for your marketing to take off. But basically, you should expect that, you know, for at least first year or two, you're, you're not going to get much time off. Yeah. And uh, usually, generally, businesses are about a five-year turnaround for investment. But uh, Ted was able to open the company with his own funds and his own money, so he doesn't have to worry about paying back a giant loan. He just needs to break even every month and, and put money into the bank to push money back into the business. And I think that's a big thing for you, and I'm, I'm guessing you do this. I, I don't know for sure. But it seems like you invest a lot into the company. You know, you oh, take the money yes. that's... Still that, do. And that's good. And, and you've moved stores and you've expanded the space and you've invested into Destiny Games to make it a more comfortable space for people. Right. And uh, I think that's the big difference. And you know, we talked about this last last podcast that you guys can never hear because I, I lost it. Um, shame on you. Yeah, shame on me. Uh, <laughs> the, the, um, the, the thing that I like here is that you're about service. You know, you're about taking care of people, creating community, creating relationships, as opposed to, hey, I have all the best stuff, come buy stuff. Right. right? You know, but you do have good stuff. It's mm-hmm. just... You know, you focus more on the service of it, and that's that's what I really like about this place. So, if you guys are looking for a game store, I can't pump it enough. Come down here, check it out, meet Ted. He's probably here. He's usually, he's usually here, right? Well, I'm a th- I, I I do have a three evenings off and a one day off a week, so ah, <laughs> all right. So well, there are times I'm not here. Moving up, <laughs> okay. I have quality employees, though. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. I, I like the employees; so they're all nice and uh, very knowledgeable. And you don't see that as much. And again, not going back to the game store comparisons. Uh, just my experience, the 8-Bit Steve's experience, 8-Bit Steve's opinion. Um, a lot of game stores just hire anybody. I mean, they hire people that aren't even gamers or that just need a job, and that's totally fine. Um, but when you start putting those people in charge of pricing products and you start putting them in charge of telling other people what kind of accessories and hardware to buy, that becomes a problem because... If uh, somebody comes in and says, hey, I remember the, the NES and I want to play Zelda, you know, you have to know what kind of power adapter that goes with that NES, and you have to know which controllers fit that NES and what they are and what they mean. And a lot of stores don't. You know, they have, a, they have an accessory. They don't know what it does. They just looked it up, priced it, and they have no idea if it, it's missing pieces or it's not missing pieces. So uh, you're not going to find that here at Destiny Games. And I think that's what's kept it open for so long. Is your attention to detail on those products? Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, so we talked a lot about the game store itself. <clears throat> is there anything else you want to tell people out there who are listening? A lot of a lot of games of the people are going to want to listen to see if they could, they're going to open a game store, right? So right. this is their podcast to kind of hear what it's going to be like, or what it's going to take, or what they need. So tell the listeners what you think you would tell someone if they walked in here and said. I want to open a game store. Train me. Train you? Uh, yeah. Well, there's not so much a lot of training per se, but I mean, I will tell you that I have, I do and have considered doing franchising. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have the capability of doing that. I mean, considering I do have the purchasing some purchasing power to do it um, with many vendors that I've actually acquired over the years. Um, but to open your own business, you got to do a lot of research. You know, you gotta see what programs. You gotta see, you know, what, what vendors. What do you have money to set aside to basically support yourself and support the business for like a year? You mean, you know, you can't expect that you're gonna come out the door and doing twenty to fifty thousand dollars a month in sales. You're not gonna be GameStop. That's it's just, you know with their volume. You're you're, you're just not. Um, it's just the reality of it. And GameStop's not even what GameStop used to be five years ago or ten years ago. 
I mean, you go from having like 300 pre-orders in a game to down to 20. You know, it's a different market now. It's a very, very different market. I mean, you're dealing with downloads now. You know, download codes and people are just buying it and then just being able to download it, pre-order it on their, you know, Xbox. And so it's downloaded by the time they wake up in the morning, you know, or whatever the case might be. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, but you have to find out what works for you, you know, and take a little time, you know, and see what you have to do the marketing for. You got to see which places are going to be good for you, you know. Look at your overhead, you know, equipment. There's a lot of the equipment costs, computer costs, you know, displays, all that stuff. It adds up quick. Oh, God, yes. It, <laughs> it adds up so fast. So marketing, you know, is a big thing that, you, that he touched on there, and he also touched on having funds. I mean, that's a big thing. You're, it's going to cost you money to open a game store, and, and you're not going to turn a profit for a while. So you got to have that extra money in the account to make sure you can stay afloat and you can eat ramen and you can... You can live and drive to work every day, but without making any money for a couple of years. And that's very difficult to do uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. A lot of people can't borrow $150,000 or $100,000 to do that. Or, you know, if you bootstrap it, maybe 50000 That's still hard for some people. So keep that in mind, gamers. You have to have the cash for it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, something you touched on there was kind of interesting. I wanted to kind of pick your brain on it. Um, do you think, so uh, you touched on GameStop there. They have downloadable games now, like you just t- you just said. What do you think? Do you think that those companies made those downloadable games because they don't want a resale aftermarket of their products? Um, I think not necessarily. I, when you get to those games where they're actually able to sell the product online, it's digital only. It saves them a ton of money in production and shipping and you know handling, and they don't have to pay anyone to make that disc and package that disc and shrink wrap it, put it in boxes, and ship it out. It's digital. That's basically all you're paying for at that point. There's a time it took people to actually write the game, upload it, and say, buy it. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's the profit margin on a downloadable game is so much higher than an actual physical copy. Because, again, you don't have that disc you have to, to see. You know, of course, that also hurts, you know, the resale market because... We can't resell a code. Code's used. It's it's not a physical thing anymore. Expanding on that, what do you think about consoles that are going to be traded in in the digital age in the future that have games on them that were only digital? So are those, is that going to make those consoles more rare and worth no. more money? No, not at all. Um, primarily because the games don't really necessarily belong to that system. They belong to the account that's actually on there. So like your gamer tag or you know your account... And you can't keep those same accounts. They've got to be deleted because um, you can't give somebody else somebody else's information. It's like if you trade in a system to me that you know has all these games downloaded, I can't sell it to you know Steve down the road because now has all your account information. You have we have to reformat the whole thing so those games are are useless. I mean, eventually down the line, let's say you buy another system, another Xbox One or whatever, you can just turn on your account and then probably. Redownload them if the system's still supported. Of course, 20 years from now, it's not. So those digital games, you can't redownload. That's what I was going to get. A next third layer question is, you know, you're you're selling stuff that came out, you know, early late 70s, early 80s, 90s. You know, sometimes as far as back as early 70s. Right. So you know, 20, 30 years, sometimes 40 years, and those are still around. But when we get 15, 20 years out from now, you know. 
and things are mostly all digital because I think that's the trend we're going in is that eventually uh, companies just won't make discs anymore. They just won't be a thing. You'll get a console, you'll plug it into your internet, and you'll download every game. Mm-hmm. Or stream it. Right, or stream it. And what do you think that is going to do to the nostalgia factor of what we're experiencing now? I grew up with Mario and Sonic and Metroid and all these great things, and I, in my 30s, go back and buy this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people in their 30s from this next generation are going to want to go back and buy Call of Duty 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, well, I don't know. Call of Duty maybe, but I think it would come down to the other games, like your Assassin's Creed, so to speak. And, you know, looking at, you know, like Dragon Age or Elder Scrolls Fable, you know, those are going to be the kind of games that they'll probably look for a little bit more so in the future. Um, when you're talking about you know the retro stuff, would they care about Call of Duty? Probably not as much. I mean, it's gonna probably be the same thing as you know Medal of Honor, Rising Sun. You know, in that same ballpark um, in terms of value and desire. But will there be anything now that would ever hit like the nostalgic of like Zelda, Ocarina of Time, or Majora's Mask? Maybe, but it's really hard to say. I mean, if we could figure that out, you could hoard the games and wait until it happens. That's true. true. There's no crystal ball for that one. Yeah, I I mostly was I mostly was referring to, uh, and you you sort of hit it there. There are some games that are widely popular right now that are you know game of the year styles like, uh, like Elder Scrolls. Mm -hmm. Okay, but a lot of the stuff there is you know you have downloadable content, you have patches, you have online play. That's Mm -hmm. a big portion of that game. 20 years from now, you're not going to be able to play Elder Scrolls in the same way that you could play it right now. Whereas I can still get an NES and play Zelda the exact same way that I played it when I first had it. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a big difference in that, and who knows? And I'm sure you don't have a crystal ball, like you said, for the future of what's going to happen. But I just feel like the gaming industry is going in a, in a dangerous direction in comparison to when I grew up. Oh, definitely. I mean, the one problem is that when you get these games that are like, oh... The game's not finished. We'll just put out, you know, the patch on first day one, which we've seen happen repeatedly. You know, what's it going to be like? You know, again, twenty years from now, you go to put in that game that does not have that day one patch available to it. Is it going to work right? How glitchy is it going to be? Well, then I guess you get to play it how it was originally released, glitches and all. <laughs> Will that help its, you know, overall charm? Maybe if people like Cork. You know, some people like the quirkiness. I mean, there are some games like E.T. that sells just because it's such a bad game. <laughs> well, it sells now, but it didn't sell when it was released. But, oh, uh, it actually sold a lot more copies than you think. It was actually one of the highest-selling titles. It was just way overproduced. Yeah. Yeah, They. Uh, I've played that game quite a bit, and it's really bad, so don't ever play it. Um, it's probably one of the worst games I've ever played. One of them. Yeah, I, it's probably in the top three worst games I've ever played. But uh, you could, Atari was a weird, a weird thing. It's hard to look at Atari now and say, okay, this is this is bad because that's all there was, you know. And, and Nintendo revolutionized the market after that, and then Super Nintendo, you know. So things keep changing. But if you look at Atari for the time that it was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't arcade level, and I think that's the big gap. There is the arcades look so great. Yeah, and the Atari just didn't. No, because having the power was much different. You really didn't have an arcade in your home, not until, like, the Neo Geo. Um, that's what really brought the arcade into your home. Yeah, and that was, like, oh, early expensive. 90s and um, almost $600. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the prices were 
huge. Yeah. Um, those were really good machines for what it was, but you paid a pretty penny for it. I didn't know anyone that owned a Neo Geo. Um, I did have one rich friend, and he had, like, every console, so he had, like, a Sega Saturn. Probably Turbo Graphics. Yeah, he had a Turbo Graphics, and he, he had an NES, and then a Super Nintendo, and then a Sega. Like, he had them all, but he never had a Neo Geo. That was, that was out of his range. <coughs> um, all right, so... If you could, if you could, if you had wizard powers, you know, you were Ted the Gaming Wizard, and you could change something about the market or the store or something to help your business grow bigger, what would it be? I would have to say find a way to deal with, you know, the online, you know, online sales and uh, I guess some of the digital downloads, you know, trying to find a way to, you know, market or make something, you know, working within that aspect of it. But again, it's not possible. <laughs> I can't resell it to a digital code. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, recently on the Gamezilla podcast, there was a, they were talking about a technology, and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me now. But basically, it's a, a technology that's come out or coming out, or they're developing that uh, makes certain downloadable codes unique. It's almost like a cryptocurrency for downloadable codes. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, you could buy, you know, Assassin's Creed 25 or whatever that is, whatever number they're on. Mm-hmm. And when you download it, you would get a skin that looks exactly like you. And only your copy of that game would have that skin. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think the game industry is kind of going in a direction where they might want to try to resell stuff or they can make it more marketable. They've um, got no reason to do that. Well... To be honest, if they can just sell you another sell the next person a code, then you know they have no. They, they, there's nothing in it for them to make a digital code or for that particular game to be resellable to somebody else. They have they they get nothing off of it, so there's no point for them to do it. True. I uh, I just hope and pray that that's the case, and uh, we can keep doing this retro stuff twenty years from now. But we'll see. Yeah, retro. You're going to hit a point that what's retro is still going to be retro, and that's all it's going to be. I mean, the next-gen systems might eliminate the disk-based or the, the hard copy. And at that point, retro becomes not so much the software and games as it is, you know, you know, at that point being the accessories and the systems. You know, those kind of parts to it. It's not going to be the games, you know, on the next-gen probably. Uh, not the present-gen, present-gen is still hardware, but, you know, the next ones where it, when it becomes digital... It's just going to, that stuff is only going to be the hardware and accessories. There's not going to be any real games that's really going to be available if it's not hard copy anymore. But you'll still have your NES. You'll still have, you know, all those things. But then the bonus is that, that you're going to end up with is that there are companies like Hyperkin, which I really support big time. It's a wonderful company that make clone machines. So you can still get, like, new ones that actually play your old games. Like, we have, like, the Retron HD. It's actually an upgraded version. Um, plays your NES games, pretty much almost all your original NES games, original NES controllers, through HDMI on your modern TVs at 720. So I mean, you can still make use of those old games, even if the, you don't have the hardware anymore, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, if you want to buy any of those products, come on down to get Destiny Games. Ted will tell you all about it. He'll sell you pretty much anything that, that he has there that you want. And if he doesn't have it, he can find it for you or try to. point you in the right direction. We'll always uh, try. Yep. Now, we've talked so much about your thoughts on the gaming industry, the future, the past of Destiny Games, the store itself, how it works, and you've given your advice to the listeners about opening their own store. What about Ted the person? 
So what hobbies do you have outside of being at the store for 800 hours a week? Family. Do it, you know, hang out with my family, my wife and kids. Hockey. Love my hockey. Um, uh, Red Wings? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Red Wings all the way. Steve Eisman's the best players ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of them. Can't yeah. say you got. So we got Gordie Howe out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Oh, yeah. Yes, Wayne Gretzky in his own right, too. Um, which is Bob, you are. Um, but also read books, you know, like Robotech and, you know, some sci-fi stuff. And, you know, Orson Scott Card with Ender's Game and a few others. So mostly sci-fi stuff? Sci-fi, fantasy. Like uh, Game of Thrones? You get into that series? I haven't gotten into the Game of Thrones as of yet, even though it's what I'm supposed to get into. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just haven't gotten into it yet. But, you know, Dragonlance, uh, all into that one. Yeah, Dragonlance is awesome. Um, I, I The only books that I really... I used to read a lot, but I, in recent, uh, with the streaming and the schedule of Ape and Steve, not really a whole lot of reading. But I've, I, I was really into uh, Shannara Chronicles, uh, Sword of Shannara, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Into, oh, he's bringing uh, out some books here, guys. Wayward Pines. Ah, Wayward Pines. Not familiar with that. Actually, it was a TV show as well, but it was actually a novel first. Um, and then they turned it into a TV series, and they only really had one for one, se- one season. It was actually quite good. What uh? What kind of movies do you guys you guys go to the movies? With? Yeah, we do. You know, sometimes I watch Avengers, Star Trek, Deadpool. You know, I don't go to the movies as often. Um, probably only go to the theaters and see a movie sometimes between two to four times. It's gone up to like close to four times in a year because the kids want to see movies, so I'll go watch movies with kids. Yeah, you know, yeah. see like the Emoji Movie, you know, Lego Batman or, or whatever the case might be. But you know, I look for like Deadpool, and I'll see like the Avengers or Marvel. Some some Marvels. Yeah, I I find myself going to the movies a lot more often than I used to because there's just so many... The movies that are coming out are are content that I grew up with. You know, when I was growing up, they didn't make superhero movies like they they do now, so... uh, Or even the horror movies are different. It's far away to Superman. Yeah, and we we saw that. I saw that. Superman was good uh, back then. But when you watch it now, you're like, wow, this was not, not so hot. Uh, Superman three is not a not a good movie. Come on, you had Richard Pryor in one of them. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was a thing back then. Richard Pryor was a was a big actor. <laughs> All right, so let's get to this. Let's get to this rapid fire, and this is your favorite portion. Um, rapid fire question. So this is actually going to be rapid fire. Uh, I don't know why I called it that. I'm just going to ask him some questions about you know his his interests. And he's going to give me his answer. And, and he doesn't have to tell me a single answer. He can answer it any way that he wants to answer it, okay? So, favorite video game? Ah, uh, you see, it's one of those things. I'm I'm a gamer. Um, and as a gamer, I don't, I really don't have, like, so to say, a single favorite game. I have favorite games, plural. I mean, I can go back to, like, one of my favorite games, Tunnels of Doom on the Texas Instruments. It was a beautiful game for something way back in the very early 80s. Um, you know, I had like Utopia and Seabed on the television, Dragon Warrior, Zelda, you know, Metroid, and NES. I loved uh, The Last of Us on the PlayStation 4. Loved it. Max Payne 3, Resident, most Resident Evils, and you know, a lot of Call of Duties, especially some of the older ones. You know, I do like the new one, and I do love Battlefield 1. I find, you said Resident Evil there. I find uh, it's something kind of funny. And, um,. Obviously, I talk to a lot of gamers in my in my field. Everyone seems to agree that Resident Evil is an awesome series, but every one of the persons that I talk to 
has one Resident Evil they're just like oh that's the bastard child of, the, of Resident Evil and I'm never going to play that particular one even though it's different it seems like it's wildly different for every person um, I don't know just just a tidbit there I just thought one that was in interesting seven, I have to say it's probably my favorites at the moment yeah one in seven. One in seven. I uh, camera I, angles are great in one. It's I played the one on the yet. Dreamcast. It was like Code Veronica, I think, mm-hmm. and that yeah. was a really cool game. Um, that had Evil Dead on there. Yeah, <laughs> the King, baby. <laughs> All right, uh, favorite video game character. Uh, I'd say just any with a good background or that's done well, that plays well. You know, Last of Us had two great characters in there. Loved them. You know, even the Mexican was good. I mentioned, I touched on. Um, Oh goodness gracious! Now, oh well. <laughs> you know, you get Samus had a good character. Because sometimes you can have a good character without having like a major backdrop, um, like Mario. Is there a backdrop on, on Mario? Not, Not really. really. It's, it's very mysterious, isn't it? It's like well, no. His you know his where Mario came from. Well, it came from Donkey Kong. Yeah, it was yeah. Donkey. Kong. It was uh, Super Jumpman. Yeah, actually, I heard uh, uh and I've heard very uh, conflicting reports about this. Um, I heard that. When Nintendo made Donkey Kong, uh, the game actually originally wasn't Donkey Kong. It was supposed to be skinned in another for license. I can't remember if it was... That I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember what the license was. But basically, they decided that the license wasn't worth it, so they scrapped it. And they just put two of their characters in the game, which were, at the time they were developing Mario. And Donkey Kong, they just reskinned it. So I'll get back to you guys on that one. I have to look that up again, but he just reminded me of that. Yeah, just well, I think that the Atari seventy hundred was actually a combination project with Nintendo. See that I didn't know, and he he mentioned that last time I was here, and I did not know that, and I know a lot of stuff about Nintendo, so I'm not, I'm, I forgot to look that up. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I'm going to make a number correctly on that one. Yeah, because it was Nintendo was working. If you see like some of the prototype pictures or early pictures of seventy hundred, the controllers look like the NES. Yeah, that um, would have been. Oh, Atari didn't awesome. like the controller. Yeah. And then they went their own ways. And so Nintendo's like, oh, I already made a system, so might as well. <laughs> and, and then same thing with Sony and Nintendo got together to make a system, which was PlayStation 1. Yeah, that I do know. And they've actually, there's some of the prototypes that have been found, the actual NES, or not, the Nintendo slash PlayStation prototypes. Uh, some people own them, and they actually repaired them. I know Ben Heck. Uh, if you guys don't know Ben Hack, he's a big YouTuber, builds cool stuff, credit. Look it up, awesome stuff. Crazy mad scientist guy. He worked on the PlayStation uh Nintendo product thing. So check that out. Alright, next one. Favorite video game console? Mm. Uh, again, I don't really have one. Um, because I guess, you know, my games span so many different consoles that I can't really have a favorite, sy- favorite system because each one has its own um, things to really love about it. You know, from the times of like being like one of your first systems to actually having some of your favorite games like Shadowrun. You know, on Genesis, which is better, or your Aladdin, which actually was better on the Genesis than it was on the Super Nintendo. I disagree, um, but that's just my opinion. Come on, you got apples. I didn't throw apples. I thought the apples were annoying, but then don't throw the apples. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just a Nintendo fanboy. I, I find most there are a few Sega games that I like better on the Sega than the Super Nintendo, but I think generally the Super Nintendo did a better. Right, game. but each one has its own games to me. I mean, mm-hmm. primarily right now, I do play my PS4 more than I do my Xbox One. But in the last gen, when you had the PS3 360, I did play 360 more. Of course, I just mentioned the top two, not, you know, the which some people might think they're real, of Nintendo. Because Nintendo is a great system in and of itself. There's, they've always produced a good machine. You know, they've, they've been always mostly set up on first party, so they do have some of their epic games. And they're, they're basically on their own little pedestal. 
you know, their own little thing. It's always going to be there. The thing that I've always liked about Nintendo is they're kind of off during doing their own thing. And even when they, with the exception of the Virtual Boy, because you just that was a flop. But um, <laughs> even when they release a console that doesn't have a vast library like the Nintendo 64 and only has 297 or so games in comparison to the NES, who has twice as many as Super Nintendo has in the PlayStation 2, about a little over 1,800 titles on the PS2. Right. But even though the Nintendo 64 only had 300 games, Nintendo was still able to make a success out of that with the titles that they did have and still make money and then move on to the next-gen console. It doesn't kill them if they release a flop, or not a flop, but a console that doesn't isn't the leader in sales like the Xbox One or the PS4. Nintendo's still doing their thing, and they've sold more Switches than any other console in history now, um, uh, according to an article that I read a couple days ago. So I have to check that one. I'm not even sure about that. Yeah, they, they're, the problem is that saying Nintendo's selling more units. Um, Nintendo's been very, very shy about production. Um, they'll for, you can look at it for this example, like the NES Classic. You know, they produced only so many, but they pretty much could have sold twice that many. You know, during that same time frame for that holiday season, but it became very hard to get. And who was making the money off of it mostly? Your eBay people. Like oh I bought it for fifty bucks I'm going to sell it for two hundred and fifty dollars now. Nintendo typically does not overdo it. They're they're shy. They're they're paranoid about overproduction on their consoles because they're afraid that if it does flop, that they're going to be stuck with a bunch of bunch of units. I mean that's why you know when they stopped like when Sony stopped production of the PS2, which was what good two three years into the life of the PlayStation Three, is when they finally said oh we're not going to make any more PS2s they were still available to purchase new for at least another couple more years after that. But Nintendo doesn't want to sit on product. They would rather have empty warehouses and have to work and produce something that's almost like a guaranteed sale. So they don't overproduce. They're very um, conservative when it comes to their hardware. So this next one, I, I think I already know the answer to this, but Sony, Nintendo, or Microsoft, if you were in a room... And you had to pick only one of those brands of games to play. Which one would you pick? See, that's what's really kind of funny about that because you got your Sony, you know, your PlayStation Four, and your Xbox One. For the most part, they're the same titles, except for your, you know, ex- couple exclusives. I, like I said earlier, I play my PS Four. I've got my PS Four sitting right over there, and my Xbox One over there, and my PlayStation Four is on a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, Switch. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it as much as I want to. My kids got it, so I can't really take it away from them yet. <laughs> um, but that one's actually pretty cool. But I'd say I do spend a lot more time in the 4. So Sony. But I equally do like the Xbox what it has. Favorite game soundtrack? I don't have one. None? No, because a lot of them are great. I mean, we listen to the radio here. There's a, a website, rainwave.cc. Yes, I'm doing a call out. Um, um, that, shameless plug. Shameless plug that I get nothing out of, literally. Um, but they have a channel, the Chip Tune. Uh, my employee Ben actually brought it up to me and showed us. We set it up, so we're playing video game music from open to close, and it's a variety of different music from you know back in the day of Nintendo to like now. You know, great soundtracks, so I get to listen to it all day. So it's a wonderful thing. So you like all of them, uh, you know? I I think it's a uh, it varies per person for soundtracks. I mean, some people are really into the soundtracks. Some people are like, hey, I don't I'd... like the Zelda 2 soundtrack, though. You do not, huh? No. Huh. I didn't mind it. I don't know why. It, it, I just don't. 
I yeah. have no logical reasoning behind it. <laughs> you, hey, some people like turkey and some people don't. It's there's no there's no science to it. No, it's not just, on this one. It just is what it is. All right, so you've heard about Destiny Games. You've heard about you've heard me talk up the store. Definitely come check it out. You can meet Ted. Uh, you can shop here. You can buy all different kinds of products from retro to modern. You can play board games here. You can play card games here. You can buy uh, cards and board games. To play here, you can come up here and hang out. You can come here and meet great people and be a part of the community of Destiny Games. You can hold events here. Um, there's lots and lots and lots of cool stuff that Ted is doing, and he's constantly trying to expand and come up with different things mm-hmm. to, to grow the, the the brand of Destiny Games. So yeah, definitely check come out, check it out. Yeah, especially check out the website because we do have a calendar of events on there and so you can see what we got going on, which is a lot, including like Sunday's uh, demo day. We've got 200 board games to play. Yeah. That's awesome. You guys should check that out. If I had time to do that, I would. I almost have come to that a couple times. But uh, they keep 8-Bit Steve pretty busy at GameZilla. So, uh, last thing. Is there anything that you want to tell the listeners about Destiny Games, about yourself, or this is your time to shout out anything that you want? If you if you want to shout out your any person, now's the time to do that. <laughs> Sean Connery. No. Yeah. Hey, well, Sean Connery is awesome if you want to shout out Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> Yeah, that was not even a good one there. But you got it in your shikes. No, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, unless you want to go with a little bit of, I'm not stupid, Jenny. I know it, little eels. Tom Hanks. Yeah, the guy does impressions as well, guys. Come on in. Not always, but yeah, the, the thing. <laughs> What's the Sean Connery impression now? Now oh, everyone God. knows. No, no. <laughs> well, you know what you're going to come in here. It's quality. Mm-hmm. Quality and customer service is what we're all about here. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, we can just try to sell all the little junk. If you want junk, go somewhere else. If you want quality and you want something good and you want an experience, come here. We're here for you. It can't be said any any more accurately than that. And that's that's my belief. I fully endorse the store. I fully endorse Ted and everything that he's doing. It's great. It's been around for a long, long, long time, even before 8-Bit Steve was a thing, before GameZilla was a thing. So he's going to keep doing his thing long after, probably. Um, so, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Now, uh, a sneak peek. Uh, we haven't finalized anything yet, so don't hold me to this. But I want to work with Ted on doing some sort of world record thing here at Destiny Games. Uh, I'm sure he's he's already said that I could do that. I just don't know what that's going to be yet. I'm going to work with the GameZilla guys. I'm going to work with Ted. And we're going to try to get some sort of collaboration event here. Okay? Yes, absolutely. So, that's coming soon. Uh, thanks for listening, Ted. Thank you again for recording this for the second time. And if uh-huh. it doesn't save this time, um, I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, uh, I don't want to type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll use Morse code, I guess, or something. I don't know. But uh, thanks again for having us, and uh, we'll be sending you the link here pretty soon. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All right. There's our interview with Destiny Games owner Ted Sean Connery. AKA Sean Connery, AKA Forrest Gump. But uh, uh AKA Ted. Yeah. Master Ted. Oh, Master Ted, I like that. You like that? I like that. Yeah. After this interview like it just like it just makes me want to go hang out at the, at the shop more like you know, I almost I almost feel like guilty that I've shopped at other other shops now. I'm almost yeah. like Yeah, we've been there so many times yeah. and like hearing the stories and like yeah. just everything is just I mean, I grew up with this shop. I mean, you know, like, I'm not, I mean, I guess I didn't grow up. Let's see, if it's been around for 10 years, I was, what, 
24 when it opened but still like i you know like it's been 10 years it feels like forever and, and i love that it's still here so uh, you, you could say grew up mentally N- yeah 24 i was still super super yeah. I, I mean i still am i'm i'm not a very good person <laughs> thankfully my thankfully my wife takes care of all the bills oh. i just play video games i'm uh, wearing a, a a rebel star wars robe right now I mean, come on. Fair. fair this is point. what I wore to work, people. Confirmed. <laughs> that, that is true. I got written up today. I was like, listen, I'm trying to become an X-Wing pilot. You got to you gotta back off. And they wrote me yeah. up. I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. Uh, something about not professional. I was like, I'm in a uniform. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Nothing unprofessional about that uniform. <laughs> Anyways. 8-Bit Steve, thanks for doing the interview. Did you have anything you wanted to say, you know, uh, after... Uh, same old stuff, you know. Uh, thanks to Gamezilla Media for having me on their on their podcast and uh, letting me have an, a show on their network. Um, I'm still not sure they know what they've gotten themselves into. Uh, thank you to Tony for inviting me to the tournament and uh, everyone being so nice and just awesome. Uh, all the people here at Gamezilla are amazing. There, there's not one rude or obnoxious person, which is really weird when you get 30 gamers in a room. There's usually at least one obnoxious person, but. That, that did not experience that, so it was awesome. Uh, thank you to Danielle Morelli for making all the food and being a gracious host. Uh, you know, just just move the train forward. You will, you'll see me on my on my podcast on this network probably by the end of April. And uh, we're going to be at PAX. Uh, I'll be at PAX. You guys will be at PAX. We're going in two different camps, but we're going to be there. Yep. And, uh, and we're going to do some cool stuff, so look for videos and whatever we can make together. Yeah, videos, blogs, podcasts, it's all going to be happening uh first week first weekend of uh of April PAX East Boston. First night. I don't know if you've got the itinerary but you have to be there for each podcast every night. <laughs> you didn't get those emails? Yeah. Um was he was Jesse not in the meeting where we made that schedule? No, he wasn't. He doesn't oh. he he he's going to be on his own podcasts. Oh. Yeah, remember? Yeah. Oh. We talked about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's gonna. I guess. Be, yeah, no, we didn't talk about this, Jesse. <laughs> but Steve and I talked about this. You uh, have no idea I see what's the going trend on. Here. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank once again Ted for allowing us to sit down and talk uh, Destiny games. It was uh, awesome to hear uh, all the stories that he had from a place that we. Uh, as Grim says, grew up with. Yeah. So if you're in the Michigan area and you're looking for some uh, shops to check out, if you're even if you're traveling here, you want to look up Destiny Games um, and uh, take a take a take a look at the shops. There's no cooler way than to walk into Destiny Games with the hottest shirt on the market, and that is GameZillaMedia.com. Hit that shop button. The store is live. You can get a sweet hoodie or hat or GameZilla Media t-shirt, and then when you walk in there, you're pretty much famous at that point. That's true. They'll they'll know what's going on. But shout out to all the people that have that like jumped onto the. I launched the shop and like and there was orders already. I'm like, like like they were waiting. <laughs> they were like re- hitting the refresh button on the website, and I hadn't yeah. even advertised that the page was the, the shop yeah. was going up. Felt were, like Amazon for yeah, a minute. They must have been there for days or something. I don't know. Yes. Felt like Nintendo. Uh, Some New more York fans or got something. time. 
but yeah, anyways, thank you to everybody that's uh, that's been supporting us through Patreon or or the new shop. Um, you know, thanks to Ted. Uh, lo- I look forward to working with Destiny Games here in the near future, and, and maybe uh, getting some public events going on uh, would be would be fantastic for for both of us. So, and all joking aside, shout out to Ape and Steve who continues to bring us this great content and be able to go out and do these interviews for us, and uh, all the success on your new podcast. Thank you, I appreciate that. All right, well, thanks. Time to get out of here. We got some video games to play, and uh, yeah. I need to uh, redeem myself and pretend like I won gold in Fortnite or something because yeah. I because I know Ape and Steve doesn't even play that game, yeah. so I don't worry about it. I could I do not. It has too spray, many buttons. Yeah, I could spray paint like a Godzilla or something, and yeah, we can, yeah. that could be your trophy. Perfect, perfect. It's my own personal trophy. No one can take it from me. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out on episode forty-seven of Gamezilla Alpha. We'll see you next week, and until then, game, game on. on. Hey, you're supposed to say game on. I always forget that part. Let's try it again, you guys. Yeah. And until next time, game, game on. on. God, got it that time. He did his own podcast, and he gave him the gold trophy. Wow. That was be- that was better than you. They gave oh, me no that. prep for that. <laughs> I did not know that was coming.